0: Welcome to the Hope United podcast, where we're creating a culture of worship, family, and discipleship. We hope this message challenges, inspires, and gives you hope today. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. God, I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our hearts, in our life, in our church, in our family. God, we really want to be who you've called us to be. We want to be the best version of ourselves, and we know that if we pursue you, that you help us to accomplish that. So God, as we dive into your word today, show us something we didn't know. Make God something a little bit more understandable, applicable, as we look at your word today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. We have been on this great uh, topic of the greatest. You know, we're talking about what does it look like to be great? What what do I define it as? What does God define it as? You know, what do we see this as? And it's been a great series so far. And sometimes we have to readjust our lens um, to see what God wants to see, to see from a whole new perspective about the topic of greatness. So let's, let's dive in. What is greatness?
1: I really define greatness as servanthood, being able to be outside of yourself. Um, I know that a lot of times we attribute it to skill and somebody being really great in an area, but I think when we look at things through the kingdom lens, it ends up looking like servanthood. When you look at scripture where it says, the greatest of you will be a servant, it's funny that the disciples were arguing about who is the greatest among us. Are you great? I'm, am I great? And when Jesus asked them, they wouldn't answer him because yeah. they knew they were in the wrong. And he was able to say, look, the greatest among you will be a servant. So looking through that lens, servanthood, I think is is the greatest way and living in our purpose, which is about serving others.
0: I think sometimes we approach greatness the wrong way, right? So you got James and John, James and John's mother approaches Jesus Mm -hmm. uh, in scripture. And she said, hey, can my sons sit on your right and left hand? Can they have esteemed positions, you know, like some of the greatest positions or maybe the greatest positions in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus began to kind of readjust this framework of thought, and he started telling them about sacrifice, and he started talking to them about humility and talking about um, following in the steps of Jesus and being a servant. You know, when we look at the, the dictionary version, you know, what uh, you look up online, and it says, well, greatness is the quality or state of being great in size. Yeah or in skill, or in achievement, or in power. Mm -hmm. But uh, the kingdom of heaven, um, God defines it differently. And so it's important for us to really get our head wrapped around that. Mm -hmm. What does greatness mean to you on a personal level?
1: For me, it really stems back to humility. Some of the greatest people defined by the world that become arrogant and full of pride become the biggest turnoff. And some of the people that have made the greatest impact in my life that I would define as great, one of the qualities that was just shining in their life was humility and being able to handle that responsibility of being great in an area, but yet remain humble while they're doing it and remembering their source. That's good.
0: I think, you know, when we're talking about true greatness, I would see it as somebody that's important. From God's eyes, somebody that um, has value from the kingdom of God sense. You know, someone, if there's a ladder, you know, whatever that ladder looks like of climbing, you know, the the greatness ladder in the kingdom of God, that person is climbing it or has climbed it, you know. So, you know, I understand, you know, and it's important that we understand that heaven has a reward system, right? There is, you know, you know, the Bible talks about it, and there's different levels of being rewarded in heaven. Jesus says that the least in the kingdom of heaven would be greater than John the Baptist. He says that in Matthew eleven eleven. right? I tell you the truth of everybody that's been, that has ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater right. than he is. So Jesus is not avoiding the conversation that there is a system of least to greatest. In the kingdom, in Matthew five nineteen, Jesus again talks about least and greatest. Um, he says, "If you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven." So there's sometimes people that they preach, you know, some truth of the Bible, and they kind of diminish other parts, or they don't read, uh, they don't follow certain parts of the Bible, and they encourage others to do the same. Jesus says that person will be the least in the kingdom. So they might still make it into heaven, but they'll be the least. While it says, "But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them to, uh, th- and teaches others to as well, will be called great in the kingdom of heaven." So it reinforces this concept of a least to great right. to greatest. And so, when I think about the word greatness, when I think about what true greatness is, I think it is. Understanding the value system of heaven and applying it in your life. Greatness is understanding the value system of heaven and applying it in your life. Um, so if I see someone that is growing in their understanding of what God sees as important, as what's important in heaven, and they're starting to apply those things, that's somebody that understands greatness. That's someone that is growing in greatness. Yeah. Um Let's talk about biggest takeaways. We've talked about some good stuff in this series, but what has been one of your favorite takeaways?
1: One of the things that I, I think we talked about about two weeks ago that really stood out to me is God doesn't want our courtesy. He wants our obedience. And I think, man, that's something we all fall so quickly into is compensating for something that we have and saying, oh, well, you know, God understands where I'm at. And, you know, it's so important for us to just obey. You know, we come up with a thousand excuses and a thousand reasons why we can't do something. And it's like he really does have the best plan for us. If we would just obey and do those things, we would become greater in his image, right? We would become more like him. And so that was a big takeaway for me. Also, um, the, the aspect of just... The more I reduce my ego, the more I expand the promises of God in me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so easy to begin to – to, we have a battle with self all the time, and it's so easy for that to lead. And if we don't check ourselves, we can easily start going back into what we think – earthly wisdom, what we think we should be doing. But being able to lay that down in humility and say, God, I want what you have, your best plan, your greatness in me.
0: I think, you know, one of my favorite was this concept of getting small to become big. You know, the more that I make myself small, um, I'm able to make God big. And, I, and, and the purposes of God really come alive and, and grow um, in my life. So humility is huge. Many times we don't get it or many people don't get it, but it's vastly important. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in swimming and all of our culture's values, sometimes we lose these important values that really really matter. Sometimes the values of our culture can outweigh the values of God's kingdom in our lives. And it's true that in theory we, you know, when we're talking about the things of God, we understand theoretically that the value system of heaven is more important than any value system on the earth. But in practical application oftentimes we are putting those cultural values before God's value system. So whether that is our culture, our our society culture, or it's our cultural background, and we put those cultural values before or above heaven's cultures, and we miss out on being what true greatness is. Some of the people that, um, that I see that have become so great in life and so great in the kingdom of God, they have blurred the line. It's like they have embraced the value system of heaven so much. You're like, what culture are you? Because yeah. they they embody so much. They have started to really, really emulate so much the culture of heaven that it's like their 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 background and their society and what nation they hail from has become so much in the background that what you see in the forefront of their life is really kingdom values and i really believe that's that's true greatness um is allowing the kingdom values to really take a dominant place in your life um how has you know we're all on a journey right we're on a journey of faith we're on a journey of greatness um how has god refined you how has god coached you in that path
1: uh with a lot of love and a whole (laughs) lot of patience um you know it's It's funny because when you look back and take an assessment of things, I don't know, for me, I can see how there were certain things that were, say, an issue in my life that God would bring up repeatedly in such a loving way. And I know a lot of times our concept of God and who he is and how he talks to us can be seen through a lens of our earthly father. But he's always been reminding me gently And I think that's the importance of knowing the word because there's moments in which I'm not necessarily thinking or trying to think of something. And he'll just remind me this is what I say about this. And so he continues to speak to me in that way. And I think um, another thing is like he'll lead me to people, to people that it's like I know that he's saying "I, I put this person in your life to help you. I put this person in your life to help you grow, and um, so that's how he coaches me. Mm.
0: I think God will continue to put you in growth environments, like, and if you'll realize, oh, I'm not in this, you know, sometimes we call it spiritual warfare. Really, God is saying, no, I put you in that because I want you to grow. You know, we we could get under the weights in the gym and say, oh, this is spiritual warfare, and God is saying... No, that's something that I've allowed or permitted in your life because I want you to have resistance so that you can grow.
1: You know what? That's a great example. (laughs) I'm going to jump in on that. So when you're trying to build muscle, you have this really perfect spot of when you're lifting a weight where you're almost at failure. And some of you might know this already, but for those that don't, it's that last one that you can barely get up where – the, the tearing down happens for the regrowth. And so a lot of people think you can build muscle easy, but you can't. It takes really, really pushing yourself to the limit. And I feel that a lot of times we think that it's going to come easy in our life to grow. And sometimes those growing pains involve a little bit of crushing, a little bit of extending past our comfort zone to saying, man, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to fall under this pressure. But then there's a beautiful thing that happens, and you have growth, you have results.
0: You know, God is always introducing new areas and difficult areas so that we can grow. But it's all because God wants to enhance you and he wants to elevate you. If we can understand in our mind that the difficulties that we go through, the Bible says that a righteous person's steps are ordered the Lord. It doesn't say a righteous person's steps are easy. (laughs) It says a righteous person's steps are ordered. So that means... You will go through difficult seasons. You will go through difficult moments of life. You will go through struggles, but your steps will be ordered, and the end is you win. So I think if we understand that as believers, I think sometimes – Certain people only preach the one side that talks about blessings and talks about favor, but they don't talk about struggles and they don't talk about trial and they don't talk about difficulties. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, one of the people that knew God very, very closely was David, and he talks a lot about the struggle. And so we have to understand that if we continue to honor God in the struggle, that's one of the things that makes greatness like James, the book of James, he said that rejoice when you fall into difficult trials, because those trials, you're going to work endurance. You're going to find patience. You're going to find character, right? And that's where true greatness is developed is following God through the valleys, through the difficult moments. So what are you doing to continue on the path of greatness?
1: I'm learning to become a better listener, Um, really be plugged into what God is saying in the moment and getting rid of, because I think we have to do this systematically, getting rid of toxic thinking, things that hinder us from moving forward and in faith and the things that he's wanting to show us, right? So for me, it's that it's also continuing to push myself to be connected to people that might make me uncomfortable, um, but that I know will help me like iron sharpen iron. Um, So being surrounded by the right influences. Yeah,
0: I think that's a beautiful thing there. Um, I think there's some people that you, you sharpen your iron. But it's to different levels, right? Some people that can frustrate you the most, you know, or challenge you the most, um, are the ones that can help you grow the most. And so, you know, we get in. Oh man, I like hanging out with this person a little bit more. Maybe they don't. Maybe they sharpen your iron a little bit. <laughs> they t- not as much as the person that it's really challenging being around them because everything that they say, kind of makes it uncomfortable for you. They're telling you uncomfortable truths.
1: Right, but, but it challenges you to be better.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. One of the things that I, um, that I believe helps on this path of greatness is adjusting your diet. Yeah. I, I, I'm consistently adjusting my diet. I'm thinking about what I'm consuming and what I need to consume to nourish my spirit man. What does my diet need to look like to accomplish what I need to accomplish? What information do I need? What revelation do I need? What wisdom do I need? What people do I need around me to stir me up, to coach me? Greatness needs nurturing. Greatness needs nur- Anytime you see somebody great, they have been nurtured by someone, something, by th- themselves. Greatness needs Nurturing. So, so you want to be great, you have to nurture that greatness. Um, one of the things that I'm always doing is auditing my diet. What books am I reading? What coaches do I have? What does my prayer regimen need to look like right. in this season of my life? Am I spiritually fit? Am I growing in all the areas that I need to grow, right? As a, as a dad, as a, uh, a Christian, as a... Um, whatever my purpose areas are, right? So for me, that would be music, right? As a minister, or as a pastor, what are your areas that you need to be growing in? And are you growing there? And if you're not, what do you need to tweak so that you can grow? Because greatness is not accidental. Greatness is intentional. Greatness is hard work. Greatness goes to the people that are willing to do the hard things. Um, those that have been planning and working and going through the struggle so that they can rise into a place of greatness. What things, great question, what things do we need to stop doing if we want to grow in God, if we want to be great in God? What, like, what are the greatness thieves?
1: One of the greatness thieves is loving to be comfortable, like just wanting to sit in a comfortable place and I know that's really common to hear complacency, but something that Pastor Rob mentioned last week that really stood out to me was when somebody becomes okay with being mediocre. And we can we can really get like that where we're like, it's okay, you know, we're doing just enough. I feel good in my conscience about what I'm doing for God. I come on Sundays or I read my Bible every day or I pray every now and then like is is that the life, or is it really pursuing what God has asked us to do? Because there's such fulfillment in it. Yes, it's uncomfortable, but there is such a fulfillment, and I'm I'm right where I need to be. And it's it's the reward I think of pushing past the the feelings, but not being okay with just being mediocre. Um, a second one that I would say is something that's a thief is to discredit yourself, discredit what God can do through you. When, you know, we've had a lot of moments where God has spoken through somebody prophetically to someone else and said something really awesome. And it's really great and inspiring at first, but if the the person doesn't, continue to take captive their thoughts they can begin to say well i don't know if that's me i don't know if i can do that and you know i don't really feel comfortable and it's like we begin to deconstruct why god and i look at the people like all the people in the bible so many of them were running away so many of them were like no but how can you use me you know and and god was so loving and persistent in his way to use them anyway but i think we have to work on getting rid of that aspect And saying, no, I know, like, I have a confidence that God designed me with a purpose, and he's going to empower me to do what I need to do.
0: I think one of the sad things that we see at work in any community is when we disqualify people, right? When we disqualify ourselves and we disqualify others from, like, this person can get better. This person can grow and become great. This, you know, we keep people in a box or we keep ourselves in a box, and we don't elevate our thinking and, and think about the possibilities of what God can do in us or in others. So I like to take the limits off. You know, I don't want to be the cap. If if somebody caps themselves off or puts themselves in the box, that's one thing. But I try not to put people in the box right. because you know maybe they were just this last year. But maybe they could be more this year. Maybe their track record is really poor. But maybe in the future they could be something great. And so I think um, not disqualifying yourself, not disqualifying people. Um, Two things that I wrote down that we need to stop doing if we want to be great is we have to stop being stubborn. Right? I think, you know, when we keep telling God, we have to stop telling God what we're not going to do. Stop. You know, we have to surrender our will. We have to pray that prayer like Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. And we got to pray that prayer all the time until it becomes a part of us, right? We have to get stubbornness out if we want to be great. We have to understand, like, that's what submission is. If I want to be submitted to God, it's saying I'm going to surrender my will. It's not what I want to do. God, it's what you want to do. And so I'm going to stop being stubborn. (laughs) I'm going to submit my ambitions, my culture, my thoughts on life, my thoughts on this world, um, I'm going to submit that to you. And it, it's a big surrender. It has to happen. Right. And many times when we get stuck, it's because we're stubborn in a particular area. And stubbornness, it's, it'll halt your growth. Mm-hmm. Stubbornness, for many, impedes their path to greatness. Um, you, you know, you say, man, wasn't that person... Um, Why wasn't that person great? Why, like, what was the hang up there? What, why did they never make it? Why didn't they never, you know, go all the way? Well, oftentimes it's because somebody was stubborn. They wouldn't change. They wouldn't tweak what they were doing. They wouldn't listen to sound advice from around them or God was speaking to them through somebody with some good counsel. And they just were stubborn. Stubbornness is a tool that the enemy uses uh, against our greatness. Um, number two, I think is laziness. Laziness is definitely something that will keep you from becoming great. You know, there's all these possibilities and opportunities and doors that God opens for us, but sometimes we don't walk through all of them. Right. Sometimes we can get lazy. We can get complacent, like you were talking about earlier. Instead of learning something new and growing, some people are too focused on relaxing and being entertained. Man, we have an entertainment culture. Want to know what the next movie is that's coming out, what the next video game is that's coming out. How can I waste my time on social media, right? And, and, and there's a time to turn off Netflix, stop binging that thing, and learn something new. Grow, grow. Turn the Xbox off, you know, you know put some time in in your prayer life, you know. It gr- grow some new skills. Greatness is hard work. Um, it, it's just like the workout that you don't want to get up in the morning and do. It's, it, it's not about skill. It's about self-discipline. It, it's, it's about self-discipline. You can't be lazy and be great. If you want to pursue greatness in God, you have to be disciplined. Um, you have to be willing. I love the word that you say to get uncomfortable. And do the hard things. You know, people that are always looking for the easy route, the easy way, oftentimes are going to miss the, the true greatness in life. When we think about Jesus and what he did in his life and his ministry on earth, what did he do? What came to mind? Sacrifice. Hanging on the cross. Getting beaten. Saying difficult truths to people that didn't want to hear it. Yeah. He did not do easy things. He flipped tables over. Mm-hmm. He broke norms, Right? He went against certain traditions. If you want to be great in God's eyes, you have to be willing to do the hard things. Being a Christian sometimes is about doing hard things.
1: There is one more that came to mind, and that is pride and religiousness. I think I, I look back and I remember how the word talks about Jesus talking to the religious leaders and how they would get so wrapped up in the religious part of things and the rules and that they would get lost it's the whole you're so heavenly minded you're no earthly good type of thing and i think sometimes we just sit and and we're saying oh well i i heard from god this and i'm gonna sit in this and and wait and then you're like holding yourself back because you are covering it with a religious facade instead of being able to say you know God, I'm I'm going to step out in faith and see what you have for me. I just think that was like, I don't know, the Lord dropped that in my spirit about religiousness and also pride. When you see sometimes people that could be that they are great or they've become great in the world's eyes. But that pride is such a stinker. Like it it just detracts from the greatness. You see people argue over sports people, right, that are good sports people. I sound so unsports like. Um, <laughs> athletes, these athletes in their field. Do you fields. even watch ESPN?
0: <laughs> You're just totally faking it.
1: No, I don't, I'll be honest. But no, I mean, I know some of the key players and how people argue this one's the greatest, this one's the greatest, you know. But it's so funny because you hear people that can't stand the one who's really skilled but also like super immature or whatever. So, I mean, these things do hold us. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> But, I mean, like, even in our own lives, when we begin to get good at something or God begins to elevate us, remember that God is your source. Remember it is God who elevates. Whenever we allow ourselves to get puffed up or think that we're something, it's, it's, it's a dangerous place to be. So humility is the way to go.
0: I think there's this sweet spot, right, when we talk about pride and humility. And some people misunder, misinterpret humility as just letting people walk on you and not knowing who you are. But actually, the Bible defines humility as not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to, Yeah. which means you have an appropriate appraisal of who you are. Yes. You know, <clears throat> the Bible says that we are the children of God. We are the heirs of the promises, right? We are um, – that, that we are – That Jesus, the first fruit among many brothers. And so if we're following in the lineage of Jesus, we can't have small thinking. Um, No, we don't want to be prideful, but also we want to understand that one of the strategies that the enemy has against us is to make us think too small of ourselves. And you'll never be great if you don't believe that you can be great. The thing that we have to really dial in and understand is that we were created in the image and the likeness of God. So we are image bearers. That's one of the reasons why the devil is so upset at us at all times is because we are what he wants to be. Mm -hmm. He wanted to be like God and put his throne above God. He wanted to emulate God and receive the worship like God. But you see, we were created from the very beginning, from the very onset to be in the likeness and image of God, to be upon the earth, what God is in the heavens. And so we are to mirror what he is. We are to be like him. And so we can't think small or we won't accomplish the great purpose that he's put upon us. We can't think small or we won't do the things that he's designed us to do. How can you move mountains if you think too small of yourself? You see, this type of thought process demands faith. You have to have faith. Faith in God. Faith in who God has called you to be. Faith in what God has told you that you can accomplish in your life. You cannot be great unless you have faith. I have faith To move mountains, therefore I move mountains. Once I've moved mountains, then people say, wow, that's a great person. God is really working in their life. There is greatness there. And so we understand um, for us to move mountains, we have to believe that we can move mountains. We have to believe in who God has called us. Um, We have to stop thinking of ourselves as small if we want to be great. Closing
1: thoughts. So I always look back to Jesus as the example. And what made him so great is he didn't come to be the greatest. He came to serve. And I think a lot of times people just chase after greatness. And they forget what the purpose behind all of it is. It's not for us to be, to have accolades and for us to be elevated. But it's really about, it goes back to the whole thing of serving. He served the people around him. God trusted him with salvation. God trusted him with loving his people. And same thing that you see with people that God used to reach the masses, you know, in that time. When you look at scripture, it was people that were willing to lay down whatever just so that they can do what God asked them to do. And so I think when we can humble ourselves and say, God, I want to remove the me factor out of this, I want you to be the vessel that you can use and put that first. That's when he knows he can trust somebody with great things, with great anointing, with great blessing. It's like the scripture. When you're faithful with little, God can trust you with a lot. I'm paraphrasing, but I mean, if you look throughout the word, it's all the same principle. When we humble ourselves, when we remain uh, with humility, he's able to expand us. He's able to trust us with more and more. And that's where you see the greatness come in.
0: Let's bow our heads and pray. God, I thank you, Father, for the way you designed us. You designed us to be great. You designed us to reflect your image and your nature. So, God, even if we are coming here today and we don't believe um, in ourselves so much, it starts with belief in you. If we believe in you and we believe what you have said about us, we have to begin to believe that there is greatness inside of us to be nurtured. God, I thank you, Lord, that you would let us begin to see ourselves the way that you see us. As sons, as daughters, as those that you have created to be great upon the earth. God, I thank you for the special purpose and assignment, God, that you've given each every one of us. It's unique. There's a unique thing that you've designed and created each of us to do. So, God, I thank you, Lord, that we would see that, that we would understand that we would value that and we would nurture that. And I just want to pray as heads are bowed. There's anybody that says, I feel like I've gotten disconnected or I've drifted from God and I want to reconnect with him today. If that's you. I want to pray for you today because. We can never be great outside of God. It's God's work inside of us that makes us great. It's the character of God inside of us that makes us great. It's the fact that we pursue God and who he is that allows us to become great. If you say, I've drifted from God and I want to reconnect with him, just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you right where you are. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. For more information or to connect with us, go to hopeunited.church. And remember, if God is with you, you will be undefeated.